Praise the Lord. It's the first night of revival. We need to go into this thing praising the Lord and giving Him glory. You know, I believe when you praise God that you make a statement. You make a statement. When you praise God, you make the statement that Jesus Christ is your Lord and your King. And I'm going to tell you something. 2,000 years ago, He defeated Satan. He's already defeated. We don't have to worry about him. It's time for God's people to start standing up and giving God praise for what he does. I was thinking about that today, and the same thing kept coming to me. Praise God. Give him glory. Don't sit down quiet. Don't cross your arms. Raise them up and praise God and give him glory. he give you another day. If he never does another thing for me, I'm going to tell you, he has blessed me greatly. I thank God for my salvation. I thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's time for God's people to stand up and praise him and give him glory for what he's done in our lives. And that's what we should do. Every day when we wake up, every morning, and when we come to church and we gather together. You know, when I come to this church, I'm with my family. This is my true family. And when I, I come together with them to worship and to praise God, and that's what I want to do, and that's what I want to see people doing, giving God the glory because he deserves our praise and he deserves our glory. And Satan don't like it when we get a little bit loud. He don't like that, but I don't care what he thinks. It doesn't matter. I'm not here for him. I'm here for Jesus. I'm here to give all the glory to God, to give all the glory to Jesus Christ for what he's done in my life. Satan's never done anything for me but cause me trouble. I know it's the same for you. So to not give God gl glory because he saved you. He saved you and Satan has no hold on us anymore. Praise God. So let's praise him tonight. Heavenly Father, we come before you, God. And I just want to thank you, God, for this privilege, God, to be able to come, God, to where the truth is preached, God. And we can hear the truth, God, and we can give you glory and praise your son, Father, for all he's done in our lives, God. We thank you, God, for Calvary. We thank you for the blood tonight, Lord. And we come into this revival, God. We come with praise upon our lips. And we ask you to move, God, in a mighty way, Father. We ask you, God, that you'll bring lost souls into this church, God, that new faces to this church, God, that people will be saved and come to you, accept you as their Lord and Savior, God. Bless through that camera tonight. Bless Brother Thomas as he preaches. Anoint the singers. God, everything that's done, God, we do it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
church but you can't have church and you can't be blessed by god if you come in and you let all that stuff just sit there and well up in you you gotta throw it off you gotta say lord i come here to hear your word i come to get touched i come to shake off those heavy bands and lift up them holy hands i'm gonna have them to sing it and i'm gonna go you got you got an opportunity here's how you can get rid of some stuff Shake it off. Shake it off. Amen. Well, everybody better now amen i know it's midweek right some are tired and say i just wish i didn't have to work no more and uh, but when you get to heaven you won't have to when the trumpet sounds no more labor amen everything be over with but until then we got to press on amen praise the lord it's good to see everybody tonight we had a good pretty good crowd for wednesday night some people excited to be in church and i hope that um People, you come, as everybody that can, the rest of the week, and we're expecting God to move. I know this was kind of a short notice thing here, but, you know, the Lord, I feel like, spoke to me to do this a few weeks back, and um, so we're doing it. I leave the results up to Him. I just do what He says to do. Amen. Somebody said, well, that don't fit my schedule. Well, God don't ever fit your schedule. What God does usually always interrupts our schedule, and then we can find out how much of 
stuff we we just need how much of self we can let go of and remember that this is about Jesus this is about the gospel it's about souls it ain't really about us even though it is about us and so I'm glad you took time to come to church tonight hope to see everybody the rest of the week those of you watching on the internet it's better here whole lot better in person am I right Nikki whole lot better in person better to be here good to have Roy and his wife with us I tell you, you look the same as you did last time I see you. Don't look like you you aged any. What's the secret? Amen. He was he was telling me I I was coming into church and noticed the bottom of my shoe was about to fall off and flop flop off. I said, Well, if you get to shouting, you can just kick them off and act like you broke it or something. We got some duct tape, but I'll tape that thing up. Good to have y'all. Good to have the Corbin family with us. Amen. And everybody that's here tonight, good to have all of y'all. It's a blessing to have y'all. As soon as I seen y'all walk through the door, I said, well, what a surprise. They always surprise us. So it's good to have them. Amen. We're going to take up the offering tonight. We're going to take up an offering every service, um, every service each night. And so I'm going to ask people to give, give online. For those of you that are members of the church, you know, we're working on raising money to build us a new sanctuary out back. And so we're asking people to give. We're asking people to help us. And somebody says, I don't know why you do that. Well, people ask for money for stuff all the time that ain't, that ain't worth two cents. This is worth something because it's investing in souls. We're not just trying to build a bigger building, have a bigger building. We're trying, we're doing it because we feel like the Lord wants us to, but we believe it's going to be for more people to come in the days to come. So that's why we feel like the Lord is wanting us to do it. So help us if you can. We only need about $400,000, so if anybody wants to write a check tonight for $400,000, we'll gladly take it. $100,000, $50,000, anything. But thank you for those that help us, and I know that God will bless you. Are you ready to have church tonight? Did you come to have church? Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's pray and ask God to bless the offering. And what, when we do, listen, if you have a need, if you need prayer for something, as we take up the offering, as you come to bring your offering, if you want to step to the side, take a minute to pray. We can get somebody to step out and pray with you. You don't have to explain everything that you need prayer for. God knows what you need. But if you need somebody to lay hands on you, somebody to come agree with you, they will. Most importantly, the Bible says, let your request be made known unto God. Your request. If the church would practice this more, we'd have a healthier church. If everybody would take their stuff to the Lord, the church would be a whole lot better off. So take it to Jesus. If you need it, He's here to touch you. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you for the power of your spirit. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin, that sets us free, that changes our life. And Lord, I pray tonight for this offering that you would bless it. I pray that you bless the givers tonight, God, that you meet every need that they have. Lord, you know the need that we have in this church, God, and we're believing that you are going to meet it, Lord, and you're going to do it in a way that will blow our minds, God. We just thank you tonight. We ask you to touch people watching through the Internet. Lord, we ask as these services continue the rest of the week that you would draw people to hear the truth of the gospel, that you would save people, that you would heal, that you would deliver, that you would set people free. 
In the name of Jesus, I pray against every stronghold of the devil tonight. And I tell the devil, he's a liar. You cannot hold God's children in bondage because we are bought with a price. The blood of Jesus has set us free. And Lord, I plead the blood tonight over this church and everybody here. Lord, I pray that you help us to just surrender, give up, and let Jesus take over tonight, God. Bless us, Lord, and touch us in Jesus' name. Amen. So 
seat and just kind of shake somebody's hand and say hello to one another because you might not do it after church. Some glad morning well when this life is over I'll away Take your time To a land where joy shall never Yeah. 
shout now. Amen. Thank you, Miss Grace, for that anointed plan and singing, Michaela and all those, Anna Kate, the ones God is using and going to use in a greater way. Amen. Praise the Lord. Are y'all happy tonight? Amen. All right, let's get into the word tonight. I want you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Second Corinthians chapter 10, and uh, for our regular folks here, we'll still be having prayer meeting this Saturday morning from 9 to 10, so uh, if you can come, come and be with us, we're going to be praying. Second Corinthians chapter 10, we'll start reading verse 4. It says, for the weapons of all warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Let me read another verse. Do you look on things after the outward appearance? If any man trusts to himself that he is Christ, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, 
Even so are we Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you tonight for your spirit, for your power, Lord, that we've felt already. And Lord, we thank you for the power of your word, the power that can break chains, tear down strongholds, set people free, deliver those that are in bondage. Lord, I thank you tonight that, Lord, your spirit is greater than any force on the face of this earth. And that spirit, that power lives inside of every one of us who are born again. And, Lord, I pray tonight if there's anybody in this place, anybody watching that's struggling with a stronghold, that you would tear it down, that you would wreck it, that you would take it completely away, God, and that you would manifest your presence and your power. Lord, we ask for your spirit to be in these revival services. We ask for you to draw people. We ask for you to help us to witness to people. We ask for you to heal people. We ask for you to deliver. Lord, I pray that people, when they walk out these doors tonight, that they're going to walk out touched and changed and renewed by your power, Lord. And, Lord, we thank you, God, for what you're doing. We thank you for what you're going to do in the days ahead all around this world through those that are preaching the truth of your word. And, Lord, we ask you to have your way in this church tonight. Again, move through the Internet and touch those that are watching, those that should be here but they're not. Lord, draw them, pull them, show them, Lord, that they need to be here in person and experience what it is that you want to do in their heart and life. And we just give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I was kind of searching about where to preach it tonight because I didn't really have anything yesterday uh, until like I think it was early this morning or when I came down here to the church. Um, I felt like the Lord had brought this to my mind and so I was uh, riding down the road sometime today after I left here was doing something and I turned the radio on and lo and behold, Brother Swagger was preaching and he was talking about tearing down strongholds. And I thought, whoa, huh, that's kind of where you're taking me. And so when I heard that, it kind of just stood out to me. You know, there's a lot of Christians, a lot of people that go to church, come to church that has strongholds in their life. What is a stronghold? I'm going to tell you what a stronghold is. It's something that's stronger than you. It's something that controls your mind controls your thoughts, controls your spirit, man. It's that one thing. Maybe it's two things. Maybe it's a multitude of things. But I want to tell you tonight that as a born-again Christian, you do not have to live with strongholds. You do not. Listen to me, church folk. Listen to family, family worship center. Y'all listen. You hear it all the time. You do not have to be dominated by the powers of darkness. You do not have to live a life struggling every single day fighting that same old thing over and over and over. You do not have to live like that. But it's your choice as to whether or not you want God's answer in tearing that stuff down. We live in a corrupted world. You work with a bunch of whiners. You work with a bunch of backbiters, some of you. You work with a bunch of complainers. 
You and listen, if you let that stuff, if you let that spirit, come on somebody, that spirit, the spirit of the world, it's their church. That's why I'm, I'm careful about who I even let into my life. And I try to be friendly with everybody I ever meet. But when it comes to letting people into my personal life, I don't just let anybody walk in, be my friend, and talk to me about whatever. I don't just do that because I want to know what kind of spirit a person is of. Now, if it's a, if it's a born again Christian, they don't understand things that I understand. Hey, there ain't no problem. I can walk with you a mile, two miles, but if you or of another spirit, if you are a complainer and all you do is want to complain about everything, all you want to do is nag about this and fuss about this, I don't want to listen to that garbage. And you shouldn't either. As a pastor, y'all know, you know what I'm talking about, don't you, Nikki? Complaining. Murmuring. You ever have church members that show up and every, you know what about, every time they show up, you know what their conversation is going to be about. It ain't going to be about the great things God is doing. It ain't going to be about the, the power of the message of the cross. You know what happened to me this week? Do you know what she did? Do you know what he did? <laughs> There's a spirit behind that stuff. And you need to know it. And you can't just allow Satan to use people or things to put a stronghold in your heart. And listen, when I'm talking about strongholds, I'm not just talking about somebody bound by drugs and alcohol and all those, you know, those outward sins we talk about. What about a stronghold of fear? What about a stronghold of doubt? What about a stronghold of complaining? What about a stronghold of murmuring? What about a stronghold... And it's there, look, and it's stronger than you are, and you can't overcome it. And Jesus didn't die so that you be bound by a stronghold. He died that you can have victory over every work of the flesh, because that's what it is. It's really just flesh, whether it's flesh in the world or flesh in us, it's all the same, it's nasty, it's ugly, and the last time I checked, the Bible said that the works of the flesh have been subdued by the power of Jesus Christ. They have been broken, praise God, and they don't dominate us anymore. We we walk over them. They don't walk over us. We walk victorious over them. God wants us to be victorious I didn't say you're perfect, but you can live every single day with the same joy, the same peace, the same victory that Jesus died to give you the day you got saved. And you know what Satan's job is? To come along and try to disrupt all this. To try to disturb your peace, take your joy. Get you complaining, get you doing what everybody else does. Instead of listening to what the preacher's been telling you, then you, if you ain't careful, you give your ear to people you shouldn't be listening to, and they start running down the ones who preach the truth. And then they start knocking us. Well, he just, he ain't nothing, and he acts like he's got this, and da, 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 da. I know things he don't know. 
You know, Paul faced this stuff over and over and over. He faced attacks from people who were supposed to be spiritual leaders who said they knew Jesus Christ. If they knew Jesus, why were they opposing him? Why were they knocking him? If he preached the right message and they say they did, then why do they have such animosity against him? Because it's jealousy. It's envy. It's works of the flesh. And Paul went through this stuff. And matter of fact, in this text here, this is really kind of what he was dealing with. He was, he was telling the church here that he founded. He was cautioning them and he was warning them that, that of, of his own behavior. He's, he told them things, you know, he told them things like, look, you know how I carried myself when I was with you. I know they say this about me, but you were with me. You know my conduct. You know how I lived. You know that I provided as, as much as I could. You know I wasn't a thief. I didn't steal from the ministry. I didn't do this stuff that all these people might, might accuse me of. And they say, I'm in the flesh and, and I don't really know what I'm talking about. But you need to be careful because their true motive is to pull you away from the truth. And then when they pull you away from the truth, you're going to start acting like they act. You follow somebody with the wrong spirit, you take on the wrong spirit. You listen to preachers with the wrong spirit, that spirit can rub off on you, I know, because I did it myself a number of years ago. I did it, I fell into it, not understanding what I was getting into until God knocked me to the ground. And took me down and started correcting me and showing me, look son, I know they're using the same terminology, but their spirit ain't right. They think they're the only ones. And they hate those. They can't stand those who preach the truth with the power. This is the same stuff this man dealt with over and over, he went through attacks, and that's the reason why. Because he had something these others didn't have. What? The power. His gospel brought change. His message, when people got done listening to it, praise God, they walked out changed. They left touched by the power of God. And you see, the false apostles don't have that. The, the rules and regulations preachers don't have that. The program preachers don't have the power because their trust is in human ability. Our trust is not in human ability. Our trust is in supernatural power. The, look, our trust, look, we can't see God's power, but we feel it. You see, most of the world and most of the church, unless they can see something, they ain't going to believe in it. But see, what I got tonight, I can't see it, but I believe it. And because I believe it, the power works in me to do what God wants to do. And I believe that Jesus is still Lord. I still believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. I still believe he was buried in 
in a tomb for me. I still believe that three days later he was raised up from the dead and he did it for me. And I still believe that according to the book of Romans chapter 6, everything he did at the cross was for me and I'm in him and he's in me and praise God, sin does not have dominion over me because I don't live under law. I don't live by thou shalt not. I don't live by I don't eat pork. I don't live by rules and regulations and 12 steps of this and 10 steps of this. I wish to God we could kick all the steps out of the church and get rid of the programs. That's what's hurting the church. Man's thinking. Contrary to God's word, God has one deliverance program. It's one method, and it's by the blood of his son. And it ain't by some pea-brained man who thinks he's got enough knowledge to change your behavior. Ain't no man on the face of this earth that can change your behavior. But I know somebody in heaven that's got the power to not only change your behavior, but to set you free. I know a man, praise God, that when society can't help you, when the doctors can't help you, when the psychiatrist says you're crazy and I don't even know what to do with it, there's a man named Jesus, and praise God, he'll go all the way to the other side for you, and he'll turn you around, he'll put you in your right mind, he'll put clothes on you, and praise God, he'll send you on your way, telling the rest of the world, let me tell you about a man named Jesus, let me tell you who I met today, that's what the church needs, if we want revival, praise God, we better get to preaching the truth, we better tell people that the answer is through the blood of Jesus. Some of you, some of us were so messed up before we got saved. People didn't know what to do with us. I don't know about you, but I know about me. <laughs> didn't know what to do with me. Didn't know what to do with that little angel woman sitting back in that sound booth. She's an angel now compared to what she used to be. Y'all just don't know. I know. She knows. And we only got worse and worse and worse. I remember my mama one time, she was right in a sense, even though, you know, she was agitated because she didn't like seeing what we were doing to ourselves. She said, you two need to go to separate ways. You two need to stop. You two are bad for one another. In a, in a sense, she was right. But I'm glad today <laughs> that we didn't. Boy, I'm glad the last time I found her, I said, I'm keeping her the rest of my life. I understand, though, what she was thinking. My mother, look, you're destroying yourselves. You're destroying one another. And society would say, what are we going to do with it? There ain't no hope for them. I sat down with people one time that tried to have a counseling session with me. I didn't stay long. It didn't last long because I said I didn't even want to admit that I had a problem. I drank alcohol, and that's what some of the conversation was supposed to be about. But I said, I ain't got no problem. You talking to, I ain't going to sit down and talk to none of y'all about no drinking. I got my own life. I live out. I don't need to hear none of that stuff. It wouldn't have helped me anyway. But when I met Jesus, I didn't have to have anybody to sit down and have a talk with me. Praise God. Jesus turned my life around, set me free from all those years of alcohol took my 
that mad. And he took two disturbed souls that didn't know how to do anything but fuss and fight and jibber jabber, cuss one another, and all of a sudden we're sitting down clothed and in a right mass, and now we're walking in peace together. Jesus did it all. But if you ask most churches today, most pastors, take somebody to them who needs help. And tell say, look, this this guy's he's got a problem. He drinks too much. Help him. What's he gonna tell him? What's most of them gonna tell him? You need professional help. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll see if we can find somebody in town that give you some professional counseling. You can't counsel the devil out. <laughs> He's got to be kicked out. And there ain't but one that can do it. And it's Jesus. He can take care of the devil. If you're lost without God, you're bound by powers of darkness. That's your problem. You're bound by powers of darkness. And that's why lost people do what they do. That's why they lie. That's why they steal. That's why they cheat. They're born in sin and they don't get better. They only get worse. But Paul, when he wrote this, this is some of the things he was dealing with. He was having to counter the lies that were told on him and at the same time, he's having to correct his church because he knows that if his church members listen to stuff that is not right, he knows what the end result's going to be, strongholds. How does he know this? Because he's already been there. He knows that if his church members listen to people say that you have to keep the law and you have to do this and you have to be baptized in Jesus' name only, you must be baptized in water, you, you must do this, and if you're really going to prove that you're saved, you're going to have to do all these things. He knew that if anybody embraced something like that, they would put themselves under law and then when strongholds start getting erected in their life, they're defenseless. They don't have any power to see them removed. They don't, they're, they're defenseless. So when he wrote this, this is where he was coming from in, cha- in chapter 10. I'm going to go back to verse 1. He said, Now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ who in presence am base among you being, but being absent and bold toward you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with what that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some which think of us. Look, here it is, that they think of us. This is what they say of us, which think of us as if we walk according to the flesh. This is what they're accusing him of. And I want to tell you something. If you're going to stand on the truth of God's word. If you're going to stand on the message of the cross for salvation and deliverance, you can get ready for the same thing to happen to you. You're going to be accused of doing things that you don't do. You're going to be accused of preaching things that you don't preach. You're going to be accused of saying things. It's amazing how people on Facebook, and they can go through sermons and they can take 
a 30 second clip of something I said and say, you hear what he said and twist it all up and pervert it, but they don't go back and listen to everything that was said and put it all in context. You see, the devil's really good at this stuff. He's been doing this stuff for years. I'm not here to defend myself. Now, I don't have to defend myself. I let God do that. I know what I preach, and I know why I preach it. I know what I preach because it's, it's been effective in my own life. I know why I preach it because it works for me. If it works for me, it'll work for you. They say we walk according to the flesh. So what's, what, here's what's going on. He's being attacked. This is what they say, but they say this because they're trying to get your attention on them. They want to run me down, Sister Nikki, am I right? They want to run your church down and lift themselves up. Talk bad about your ministry and talk about how great theirs is. Facebook is full of them. And the reason they do it is because, listen, they are the ones who are walking in the flesh. That's why some of them can't stop gossiping. They can't stop, they can't stop attacking Brother Swaggart because they're bound by the flesh. But they say they know the message of the cross. Your conduct is what says it. I don't care what your mouth says. Your conduct, what you're doing, how you treat people, how you talk to people, how you demean people and for, for the purpose of trying to lift yourself up as though you're greater than the guy you're attacking. He knew that if they listen to this, their victory is going to be shaken. The devil is going to spoil these people and he's going, to, he's going to take captive God's children. He's going to erect strongholds in their lives and when he does, there will be no way to see them taken down because the person's faith is now moved from trusting who Jesus is and what he did now to something else. And so now we're left with strongholds. Now we're left with stuff in our minds. That, that the way we think when we shouldn't think that way. I'll get to it. He said in verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. We walk in the flesh. We all tonight are here in the flesh. I see you. You're in the flesh. That's your fleshly body. But... What we see in the natural, we cannot use to fight against strongholds. You cannot tear down a stronghold by sitting on a couch with a man that says he has a degree in psychology. You cannot get rid of the stuff that's controlling your mind. You can't change your behavior by having a conversation with some educated idiot. You can only have that stronghold taken out, look, by the way 
you got saved. Remember when you got saved? Remember when you met Jesus? Do you remember when, I'm going to make somebody think, remember when you got saved? When you just surrendered your heart to the Lord and you gave up control and you said, Jesus, come into my heart and come into my life. And all of a sudden, the power of God invaded your heart, invaded your life, and, and, and He so easily changed you. He so easily drove some stuff out of you. He so easily took alcohol when I drank for 20 something years. He so easily just took it out of my heart and took it out of my life. I didn't have to do anything except say, Jesus, God, if you're there, I need you. And when I did, he said, now that's what I'm looking for. And because I opened my heart, I surrendered that day. The power of God came into my life, into my heart, made a brand new creation out of me, changed me, set me free. Come on, somebody. Changed your life. Didn't leave you the way he found you. And the only part you had was to just throw yourself on the mercy of God. I'm telling somebody here that that's still your answer. Throw yourself on the mercy of God. With a childlike faith. But though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. We don't fight against these spiritual powers of wickedness that try to control us. We don't fight them with human methods. You can't fight them with the flesh. You can't overcome them by fasting. You can't overcome them by praying more. You can't overcome them by witnessing. You can't overcome them by handing out bottled water to people. You can't overcome these powers that are trying to control your heart, control your mind. You can't, you can't overcome them on your own. And we all got to remember that because there's times we're going to find ourselves in spiritual warfare. Satan is going to be loosed on us from time to time so God can weaken us and make us stronger. And in those times when your mind gets attacked and you wonder what is going on, it's coming from this direction and, and this direction, well, well, what's wrong? What, what, what do I do, Lord? All you do is just do what you did the day you got saved. You surrender and you submit yourself to the power of God that works only by what Jesus did at the cross. That's what saved you. And praise God, that's what keeps you. And praise God, that's what sets you free. That's what delivers you. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Verse 4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down strongholds. Listen to what the word weapons means. Weapons. Instruments with which something is affected or done, like a sword, a knife, or a shield. We think about carnal weapons. We think about weapons of war when we hear that. And we think about defending ourselves. You know, people have guns to defend themselves. Knives. I don't think... <laughs> Many people in America carry swords, but they're weapons. Somebody might have one. 
Those are carnal weapons. Those are weapons that can be used to destroy, weapons that can be used to defend. But those weapons, because they're carnal, you can put your hands on them. They cannot affect the spiritual man. So the point is that the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. They're not earthly. They're not, they don't come from a psychiatrist. They don't come from 12 steps. They don't come from celebrate recovery. They don't come from anything devised by a human being. The weapons of all warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God. The word warfare means to lead an army like in a military service. And there's times, I already said it, we're going to be in a warfare. And you're going to look, Satan, here's what the devil wants to do. He's going to tempt you, tease you, and pull at you to try to do everything he can to get you to fight in the flesh. Family problems. Fight in the flesh. Problems on the job. Fight it in the flesh. Retaliate. We don't wrestle, the Bible says, with flesh and blood. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness. The, 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 the prince of this world, Satan, is a powerful, he's a powerful being. But he's not powerful to those who know how the power of God works. I don't get up in the morning worried about the devil. I don't even hardly think about him. How about you? Because Jesus has got him taken care of. His power has been subdued in my heart and life. Oh, I know he's there. And I know from time to time the Lord will let him kind of do some things. And, and I acknowledge that from time to time. And, 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 and everything I've ever went through, when that happens, I found this, that uh, I, the Lord just wants to squeeze some more of me and get a little bit of more of him in me and cause me to depend less on myself so that his spirit can be more prevalent in my heart and life so he can use me, he can touch me, he can bless me, he can change me, but I don't get up every day worried about the devil. I ain't worried about the devil because he has been defeated. Now listen, you need to quit worrying about the devil. You don't need to focus on the devil. You need to focus on the king of kings. You need to focus on the conqueror of evil. You need to focus on what Jesus did at Calvary because the Bible says he spoiled every principality and power by the shedding of his blood, praise God, through his death. He destroyed him that had the power of death. That is the devil. So don't get up worried about the devil. Get up with your focus on Jesus. Jesus and say, Lord, today I believe that you are going to take me all the way just as you brought me this far. You're going to take me the rest of the way. So I submit myself to you today. I yield myself to you. I don't have to say cross a hundred thousand times. I just say, Jesus, I surrender to you. I know what you did and I ain't got to prove it to nobody. Praise God. Prove it in my life, Lord. You got to prove you know the message of the cross. You don't have it. 
is you got to prove it. You don't have to prove anything. For though we walk in the flesh, the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. But they are what? Mighty through God. (laughs) So you know what? We do have some weapons, but guess what? You can't see them. I can tell you what those, there are two weapons. I heard this years ago, never forgot it. Down in Baton Rouge, Bible college classes. We were attending going to camp meeting, pre-camp. Here's the weapons. Are you ready for them? Faith and grace. There's your weapons. I didn't know this after I got saved. That's why I lived defeated for a while. I didn't know this about the message of the cross after we got saved, miraculously saved, delivered from a lot of stuff, but there was a whole lot of other stuff left. And the devil was trying to use it to destroy us, to try to destroy our marriage, to destroy our family, destroy what ministry God wanted to give us. And here, because we're ignorant, we don't know what we need to know. Here we are, we're fighting in the flesh. I tried it. I was reading the Bible like you couldn't believe after I got saved, and I never read the Bible in my life up to that point. Never read the Bible. But man, when I got saved and the lights got turned on, man, when I started reading that thing, I could not put it down, and I would read it and read it and reread it. So two of the first things me and my wife started doing after we got saved, I think the church needs to get back to this, reading the Bible and praying. We started reading the Bible, and we started praying. Some of you heard me tell this, but for those of you that hadn't, let me tell you nobody I know I'd heard about prayer there probably ain't a person in this building that didn't hear about praying even before you were saved but you probably didn't know what it all really meant but praying I felt that praying was a way to contact me with God I felt like the I would read the Bible and it says when you pray go into your closet so I thought well that means go into my closet that's what we thought. So you know what we did? I started going to the closet. I'd go to the closet, shut the door, wasn't no light in it. I'd get on my knees. Chris, I'm telling you, I'm, this is God's my witness. I would get on my knees. We hadn't been saved probably a month or so. I got on my knees, and when I'd get on my knees, I'd just put my hands up in the air, and I'm in the dark, and I just start praying and talking to the Lord, and I'm telling you the glory of God, the power of God would fill that place, that closet, like, brother, like you ain't never felt in your life, and I'd sit there, and I would cry like a baby, and I could just cry and cry, so, oh, praise God, oh, I wouldn't even filled with the Holy Ghost then but praise God I was sure happy and I'd sit there and I'd cry and this would happen over and over to the point to where we both started doing it at different times we, we started a little competition you know we, we kind of raced one another to see who could get to the closet first we wanted to get to the closet you know why not to get a drink of Budweiser not to smoke a joint but to get in the presence of God because when I got the best why the Bible says oh taste and see that the Lord is good and boy when I tasted I said my Lord this is better than any beer I ever had in my life I don't know what in the world what was wrong with me why didn't I listen to my mother oh thank you Lord praise God and we would go to that closet over and over and over and I would every time I'd go in it and put my hands up here come the power filling the closet up here come the tears 
crying. Here come the praise. And I got so used to that. Now listen. I got so used to that. That after a season and a time when God started testing me. After we left that closet and ended up coming to East Tennessee. Where he put us in the wilderness in a two bedroom mobile home. For about three years and stripped us of everything. And started getting tested. I didn't feel that presence like that as much. Anybody here? That presence, I start, then I start thinking, Lord, what, did I do something wrong? I'm, I'm trying to live for you, Lord. I'm, you know, my heart's still climbing. I'm living right, God. I want to live right. I didn't know what I was going through. But testing time was coming. And see, in testing time, I failed at times. I did stuff I shouldn't have done. I said stuff I shouldn't have said to her, one another. Lose your temper. Come on, anybody in here? And you know what I do? Because I didn't I didn't know any of this then. I didn't know any I wasn't listening to Brother Swagger then. I didn't know any of this. But you know what I do? Here's what I do. I'd I'd repent and I'd ask God forgive me, and he did. Just like his word says, with hot tears and how many I knew he forgave me and I knew things that you know he he touched me. But my remedy for it was you know, that closet mentality, praying. And you need to pray. But I thought I need, to, I need to pray more. That's what it is. I ain't praying more. I ain't praying enough. I need to pray more. Reading the Bible. I started devouring this when I got saved. I started memorizing scriptures, quoting scriptures. Some of my family members, their eyes as big as half dollars when they'd come around and I'd tell them what the Word of God said. The Word was flowing out of me. Memorizing it. Even my own mother's like, what in the world? <laughs> Boy, he got it good. And so I thought, so I thought, well, I need to read more. I add about five more chapters every day. See, and here's what I I'm doing that to try to deal with these issues. Are y'all here tonight? You know, and some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And I'm here's what I found out. I didn't get better, I got worse. I didn't get better, I got worse. And you know what, and every time I messed up, God always forgave me because a true Christian that loves the Lord, anytime you do wrong, you're going to ask God to forgive you. Ain't nobody going to have to beat you over the head with nothing and tell you, you better go repent, you better stop. Honey, when the Holy Spirit convicts you and you know you did wrong with hot tears, you're going to get to the Lord and say, oh Lord, I'm so sorry, forgive me in the name of Jesus, and he will forgive you, but forgiveness is not deliverance. We went through this. Until the Lord got us to the place where we were connected with Brother Swagger's ministry, and then we started hearing what I'm preaching to you tonight. The answer. Hey, I hear things like, hey, your Bible reading doesn't earn you anything with God. I go, ooh. Y'all, your, your, your praying don't earn you anything with God. My flesh. I hear things like, you are who you are because of what you believe, not what you do. And I go, my flesh. And the Spirit of God said, there's the truth. This is what you need. This is what you want. You've been crying to me for the truth. Now I brought you to it. Now what are you going to do with it? Let me tell you, your flesh 
will knock at the truth. I'd be a fool, Nikki, you can back, back us up on this. I'd be a fool to sit here and think that everybody in this church, every time we preach, everybody's just all happy-go-lucky and praise God, I love everything you said. And you, I, I'm walking out here today victorious and, and I, I, I'm not agitated one bit about anything you preached. Baloney. The truth will get under your flesh. It got under mine. You know what I had to do? I had to swallow it, take it, accept it, but I found out something when I did. Oh, what a difference. Oh, what a difference. Boy, when I started learning that Christianity is not about what you do, it's about what Jesus did, and I started getting taken to the cross, boy, my light started getting turned on. You've heard him say that. Talk about feel like you've been born again all over again. That's exactly how we felt because, man, we were brought to something that we were never even taken to to begin with. Yes, I got saved. We miraculously got saved. My wife and I, January the 31st, 1999, Super Bowl Sunday, we miraculously, both of us in different places, different times, got delivered by the power of God. But there still so was so much corruption in us. And look, wrong thinking, wrong ideas, flesh. And we didn't know anything about how that stuff is taken out. So here we are trying to do it ourselves. And God says, I can't let you do that. Because if you did that, that was going to contradict what I did to set you free. So the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God. It's faith and grace. Your faith in the blood of Jesus Christ brings the grace of God, which is God's unmerited, undeserved favor he gives to us. Grace cannot be earned. Grace and faith. Okay, remember the story. Y'all remember the story of David and Goliath. The Lord brought this to me today. So many people, when they think about that, they think, oh, what, what a story. A little bitty guy beat up and whipped a big giant. But if you only knew the true moral of that story, because that's not about a little man defeating a big man. That's about a little man led and guided by the Holy Spirit defeating an awful, ugly giant that was controlling God's people, putting fear in people. God took David. The Bible said that David, the way David defeated him, remember, first of all, David was just a young teenage boy. He wasn't very old when this war was taking place. And remember David's father sent him out. He said, I want you to go out to your brethren, he had brothers that were with Saul that were, uh, so they were about, they hadn't been fighting yet, but they were about to fight with the Philistines. And his father said, Jesse said, I want you to take this bread, take this cheese, and you go and check on your brethren. I want you to check on them and take a look and tell me, come back and let me know how things are going. I want to know that your brothers are okay because those are my children and I love them. So he sent David to go out to the battle. David shows up. And remember, they're, they're all talking about this giant. This giant has already, he stepped out. And every time he steps out, all the children of Israel, they run. They run away in fear. Of the, who, what, we can't defeat this giant. And you can't defeat your giant. 
And David shows up. And David said, what's going on out here? And one of the men says, have you not heard? You not say, have you not seen this giant here, this nine-foot-tall giant nearly who's defying the armies of Israel? There's no man here that's able to defeat him. And the king said that if there's anybody here that can defeat him, he would enrich him, make him free from taxes. That's enough to make some people fight. Make him free from taxes and give him, give him his daughter and all these things. And David, they, they said this, and David said, now, what, hold on, what, what did the king say? It happened a couple times. Tell me again, what did the king say he would do if somebody can defeat this giant? And then eventually David says, you know what? He said, I'll fight him. He said, I'll fight that giant. And you know what his older brother said? Yes. What's he come over here for? He's just being nosy. Old brother Eliab, you know, the oldest, the eldest big brother. Mr. Big Shot, Mr. I can do it. He looks at his little brother and says, what'd you come out here for? Just to see what's going on, being nosy, da-da-da. And David said, no, 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 no. There's a reason I came out here. I know that deep down inside, my, our father sent me here, but I know that deep down inside, my heavenly father has sent me here. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus Christ was sent of the heavenly father. And he was sent to destroy the power of the devil in your life. And the Bible said, David said, I'll fight him. They said, you're crazy, you're nuts. And Saul said, son, there ain't no way you can handle him He's a man of war. You're just a little ruddy young thing and he's been fighting for years. You can't defeat him. And he says, well, I want to remind you of something, Mr. Saul. Let me just tell you a little story about what I seen God do before. You know, I was keeping the sheep one day out there in the field and a lion come along and snatched one of those sheep up and took off running with him. But God gave me the power to snatch that lion up and deliver that sheep out of his mouth and said I smoked that lion with the bare hands that you're looking and let me tell you something else oh it reminds me of another time you know the same thing happened and there was a bear that come out and took one of God's sheep but you know the Holy Ghost came upon me and the power of God gave me the power to defeat the lion to defeat the bear and he said I want to tell you something king this uncircumcised Philistine this this fear, this doubt, this pornography, this alcoholism, this murmuring, this complaining. My God is able to tear it all down. Do you hear me tonight? My God is able, because I remember what he did before. I remember when he set me free from the drugs. I remember when he freed me from the alcohol. I remember when he freed me from lying. I remember when he freed me from all that bunch of garbage. And the same God is still able to tear down this stronghold. He's able to take this giant down. Some of you come here tonight, you got a stronghold, but you won't walk out of this door free tonight by the power of God. And he said, let me tell you what God did. You know the rest of the story, Saul tried to put his armor on him. David said, uh-huh, put, take this mess off. This ain't going to get it. I need God's weapons. And the Bible said David took, David said, David went down to the brook 
and got him five smooth stones and took his sling and his little shepherd's bag. He went, took a little sling, and he got five smooth stones. The number five is symbolic for the grace of God. It took David's faith with the stones, the grace. He didn't have to have five. And he took and went, got five smooth stones, and the Bible said he went and he went out and he confronted that giant and that giant laughed at him. That giant mocked like some of you in here tonight. That devil's been laughing at you. He's been mocking at you and you've been putting up with it too long. I said you've been putting up with it too long. You need to understand tonight what your Jesus has done for you and you need to stand on it and you need to believe it every single day of your life. Your Sunday morning ain't going to get it. you got to put this into effect when you walk out of here tonight. you got to stand on it in the morning. you got to stand on it in the morning middle of the week you got to stand on it if you want to see victory praise God you got to believe this on a consistent basis it ain't going to get it once a month you got to practice it every day of your life you got to deny yourself take up your cross and follow Jesus and let him and let him take the strongholds down he went to the giant and the giant laughed at him and said what are you going to do you little ready ugly thing you you come to me with a little staff or whatever he said boy I'll take your head off and I'll deliver you to the fowls of the air and David said I don't think so he said you come to me with a sword with a spear and with a shield but I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord of hosts in the the name of the God of the armies of Israel I ain't scared of you devil I ain't scared of you Jack I ain't scared of you homosexuality I ain't scared of you lesbianism I'm not scared of you alcohol I'm not scared you because I got a Jesus that can defeat you and he said David the giant said, come on let's fight and the Bible said David ran to him his older brothers was running from him but he said I'm going to show you who's in control of my life you know what the church today is doing? They're running from the devil. They're running from powers of darkness. We ain't running from them. We're running to them. Those that preach the message of the cross for real, we don't run from the devil. We confront the devil. And we tell him, you're going to lose some people. We tell him, the giants are going to fall. We tell him, you're going to lose your hold on God's children. You're going to let people go because the message is going to bring deliverance to those who embrace it and believe it. Now, if you don't embrace it and you don't believe it, you can come and sit on a pew and look nasty and look ugly and be mad when the service is over. Or you can say, praise God, I I want victory and I want it right now. David didn't run from him. He ran to him. Come on. I know what my God can do. You got to remember. Some of y'all need to think back. You ain't been thinking back enough. You've been looking too far ahead. You're not thinking back or you're stuck in the now. Think back. Think back when you got saved. Think back some of the things God delivered you from. And you didn't know much of anything. You just surrendered. You know what? See, your, listen, your obedience will get you a whole lot further than your knowledge. You're willing to surrender. will carry you a whole lot further than, I know the message of the cross. He ran to that giant. 
And the Bible said he took his sling out and he took one smooth stone and got to whipping it. Come on. I don't need five of them. I got somebody greater than me going to guide this rock, buddy. Come on. I don't need to celebrate recovery. I got one. I don't need a psychiatrist. I got one smooth stone. I don't need a rehab. Uh-uh. I got one smooth stone. I don't need man's methods. I don't need your man-made programs. I got one smooth stone, and I'm about to sink them up into your head, and you're going to find out that my God is able to take the biggest giant in the world down. He's able to deliver the one who is bound the most. He's able to set free those that are captives of the devil. Look, because 2,000 years ago, the stone, the rock, Jesus, the foundation, the gospel, because of what he did is the power of God that gives us the power to be able to defeat the enemies of the flesh. And the Bible said he let it go. And that giant was totally covered in body armor. Totally covered. Except for that one little spot of his head where that armor didn't cover. And the Bible said that rock sank, hit him right there. You think the Holy Ghost don't know where to hit him? You think the Holy Ghost don't know how to handle your problems? He'll get right to the point, brother. Let him. He knows the area. He knows where you need the victory. Let the word bring conviction and repent and ask God to forgive you and ask God to restore you and ask God to cleanse you and set you free. And I'll guarantee you, you'll see a giant fall. You'll see some stuff come down. And when this happens, you're going to know you didn't do it. That's what God wants. People that can understand you didn't do it, he did it. I'm sick and tired of hearing people talking about what they done. I want to hear what Jesus has done. And look, man, ain't no man going to be able to glory in his flesh. Everybody tries, but if you're going to get deliverance God's way, your flesh is going to be put to death. You ain't going to be able to walk away saying, oh, I prayed it through, I did this, and I did that. No, you're going to walk away saying, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. And the Bible said that rock hit him, sank up into his head. And the Bible said the giant fell to the earth face forward. I'd like to see the look on them people's faces. I'd love to see the look on them, the Philistines' faces, the Israelites. I'd love to have been there to see the look on some. You know what? You can see them looks today when you preach the truth. Some respond favorably, others. What's this new doctrine? This ain't no new doctrine. This is old doctrine. This is something that's been around from the beginning. The problem is people don't preach it. So here you come along preaching to people and people look at you like, what's he talking about? When they ought to have known this in the early days. But the church don't preach it. But the Bible said that giant fell down face forward. He hit the ground. And the Bible said David ran up to him, said, I ain't finished with him. We're going to do an illustrative sermon right here. The Bible said he reached down and he took the giant's sword. He pulled the giant's own sword out and said he took it and he cut the giant's head off with his own sword. 
And I, I got a feeling he stood up on the giant and picked it up and said, Hey, y'all, look at here. Hey, Saul, look at here, Saul. Hey, Mr. Twelve Steps, look at here. Come on. Mr. Psychiatrist, look at here. Look at this. Look what the Lord has done. The Holy Ghost is the one that guided that rock up into his head. The Holy Ghost is the one that can tear down your stronghold. The Holy Ghost is the one that can break your bondage. The Spirit of God, and as the gospel is preached, the Holy Ghost will take it right to your heart and affect the very area in your life that needs to be changed, and he'll start tearing stuff down. I don't know if it happened, the Bible doesn't really say, but I wonder if, if David, after that was all over with, <laughs> after he killed that giant, the Bible said, boy, they started shouting, people started running, boy, they was, whoo, they were happy. I wonder if David didn't take that head and go back home and say, look here, Daddy, <laughs> everybody's all right. <laughs> look here, Daddy, you know who this is? This is the one that was trying to taunt God's people. This is the one that's trying to wreck strongholds. Let me tell you what happened today, Daddy. <laughs> Let me tell you what happened, Mama. Let me tell you. The Lord Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, he broke the power of the devil, and he gave me the power to overcome the powers of darkness. Look what the Lord has done. Weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God. So what is It's faith. Faith in who Jesus is, what he did. And then it brings God's grace. Look, in here, in this spirit man, where stuff needs to be torn down. Look, up here, where things need to be taken out. The mind. The mind is something else. And the only thing that can affect that mind is the blood. I said the blood. But you see, you gotta, you've got to make sure that your way of thinking is changed to God's way of thinking as it regards how he sets you free and keeps you free. Your way of thinking has to be his way of thinking. If your way of thinking is not this, strongholds, they're remaining. Because it's more to it than to say, oh, well, I know the message of the cross. More to it. Your mind has got to be renewed. Your old way, your old carnal religious ways of thinking has to go. What do you mean? Well, you know, like, well, that my mama was like that and my daddy was like that, so I'm just going to always be like this. Go. Got to go. Well, the doctor said, uh-uh. Got to go. What does God say? What is God's method of freeing you from strongholds? In the mind and the soul and the spirit, it's the cross of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God that tears them down. Paul said, for the preaching of the cross is to them who perish Foolishness, but unto we that are saved, it's what it is right now, the power of God. It's the power to set you free and to keep you free. I had a bunch of definitions I was going to give. Forget that. Listen to this. Can you put up 1 Corinthians chapter 2 on the board? 
chapter 2, verse 1 through 5, because I want to read it. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. Let me read it. Many of you have heard it. Listen to what Paul said. And I, brethren, when I came to you, when I founded the church, when you heard me preach, basically, I didn't come with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you. I didn't preach anything to you, but Jesus Christ and him crucified. You know, you remember how you got set free, he says? You remember what I preached to you? Remember how you were saved? I preached the blood. I lifted up Jesus. You believed in him. You accepted him. You got saved. I didn't preach anything else to you. I didn't preach about Muhammad. I didn't preach about Buddha. I didn't preach 12 steps. I didn't preach 10 steps. I preached the cross of Jesus Christ and him crucified. Verse 3. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. That's what a true knowledge of the message does. It shows you your weakness. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but what is in a demonstration. Here's what the results of this message is. A demonstration of the Spirit and of the power. Now let me stop there for a minute. A demonstration of the Spirit and of the power, according to what Paul was talking about, is not speaking in tongues, jumping up and down and running or hitting the altar and all that. And that's right, we do that. But that ain't what a true demonstration of the Spirit is supposed to produce. A true demonstration of God's Spirit and power when the gospel is preached brings deliverance. It, when you're done shouting and jumping, you're going to have to know something. When you're done laying out on the altar and you've been touched and cleansed and walk out of here feeling great, you're going to have to know something. Here's what you got to know, that it's the power of God and not you. And it comes through what Jesus did. And give me the next verse, if you would. This is the last verse. That your faith, here it is, your faith, what you believe, what your trust is in, should not stand in the wisdom of men. Okay, out with your celebrate recovery. Out with your programs. Out with the psychiatrist. Out with the psychologist. Your faith cannot be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God, which comes only through the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make us whole again? Nothing but the blood. It's the blood. It's what Jesus did and your faith in it. Your faith in it. Your faith cannot rest in anything else but that. And you have to do it Every single day. Well, I tried that, and and I I still ain't I I'm still messed up. You tried it, or you living it? Because this ain't something you try. This is something you live. We don't walk. We look. We walk by faith. We live by faith, not by sight. We don't try this. We live this. We believe this. 
And as we do, the Spirit of God goes to work in us. And he starts tearing stuff down that we can't tear down. You could save yourself a whole lot of I'm sorry's to people by just simply surrendering to this. And don't misunderstand me. You're still going to have to say sorry from time to time. We all do. But it shouldn't have to be an everyday thing. You can save yourself a lot of trouble if you surrender to God's way. Let me finish the scriptures and I'm done. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. That's something that's stronger than you. You already know that. It speaks of a fortress, a city that's been walled up where there's a sign that says no entrance. And you know what? That's what Satan tries to do to God's people. He tries to put walls up. It says, no entrance. But you have a God that's able to enter and tear down and do great things if you just open the door by faith and let him. Stand to your feet if you would. Michaela, go out. Anna Kate, come here. I want you to sing softly, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood. Listen, I'm, I'm finished, but I'm going to give an altar call. And I don't ever want to bow your head and close your eyes. Wait just a minute, honey. If you're in the plate, this building tonight, you're watching through the Internet, and, of course, for those here, you're here in person. If there's things you're struggling with, you've heard your answer. Now, if your faith has been in something else, if you have been trusting in anything other and what I just told you, you've got to repent of that. You've got to ask God to forgive you for trusting in the wrong thing. Then you turn around and you say, Now, Lord, I surrender to Jesus Christ. He is my deliverer. I know now what to put my faith in and to keep it in. Now, if you're here tonight and you need something, you need to spend a few minutes at this altar, come on, Anna Kate, and you need the Lord to touch you, I want you to come. If there's something that you need to let the Lord tear down, you're watching through the Internet, He can tear it down. He can tear it down. Trust me, He can do it in an instant. He can do it. And if maybe, it, maybe it won't be gone tonight. you still got to believe it tomorrow. If it's not gone tomorrow, you still believe it the next day, and the next day, and the next day. You're going to see victory, I'm telling you. Victory is coming. No matter how many times the giant steps out and taunts you, your heavenly David wants to overcome him. Go ahead, honey. What if you need to come tonight, if you need a touch, if you need the Lord to do something, step out this altar calls for you. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And what can make me If you're struggling tonight with something, let me tell you, you got the answer. The power of God is here, church. The power of God is real. If you need to be made free, you just open your heart up. And you ask Jesus to set you free. You believe that He has already made the way. He's already provided through His sacrifice.
Come on, church, just praise Him. Begin to praise Him. You need, you can praise your way through this church. Praise your way to Jesus. If you feel led, anybody feels led to step out and come and pray with anybody, come. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood. It's the blood, church. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Mm. Come on, praise Him, church. Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood. There's power in this blood. You're watching through the internet. There's power in this blood. Oh, precious. Is the flow yes. It can make you white as snow. White as snow. No, no other. other found I know. Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. If you need a touch, I want to encourage you to step out of your seat. No, no matter what it is. Come if you want to and spend a few minutes with the Lord. That, that makes me white as snow. Makes me white as snow. No, no other. other fountain. No, nothing, nothing but, but the blood, blood of Jesus. Oh, precious. Is the flow that makes me white as snow. snow? No other fountain, no, nothing, nothing but, but the blood of Jesus. And all oh, the blood of Jesus you know it sing it. Oh, oh the blood of Jesus this is what the church was built upon oh, the blood praise God the blood praise God Lord I must shun the love of high glory to God He'd wash yes come on church let him wash over you tonight. There's power. There is power in, in the, the blood, blood yes. of Jesus. Miracle working power. There is power in, in the, the blood, blood of Jesus. There's power. power in the blood of Jesus. It washes white as snow. There's healing. And there, there is, is healing in the blood of Praise Jesus. There, there is healing in the blood of Jesus. There is healing in the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. One more time. It washes white as snow. And oh, the blood of Jesus. 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 Come on. 
on, church. Oh, oh the blood, the blood of Jesus. Jesus. It washes white as snow. There is victory in, in the, the blood, blood of Jesus. Jesus. There is victory, victory in the blood Amen. It is. of Jesus. Jesus. There, there is victory, victory in the blood of Jesus. It washes white as snow. Praise the Lord. Have you been blessed tonight? Amen. You know, there, there is truth. There's truth to that old saying that, that knowledge is powerful, what you know. But it's knowing the right thing. Knowledge alone, Paul said, puffs up. But the right knowledge applied to your heart and life can bring the power of God, amen, to work miracles in your life. I hope you've been blessed tonight. Amen. Tomorrow night, same time, same place. Invite somebody, drag somebody, <laughs> push somebody, invite somebody to come tomorrow night and let's Chris is going to be preaching tomorrow night, and I know you're going to be blessed. I know he's fired up and ready to preach, and I'm ready to sit down and let somebody preach to me. So come back tomorrow, shake somebody's hand, tell them you love them if you can, and we'll see you tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. We hope you were blessed by the live service from Family Worship Center in Athens, Tennessee. Our weekly services are Sunday at 10.30 a.m., Sunday at 5.30 p.m., and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. Watch us live online at www.fwc-tn.com. You can also check us out on Facebook or YouTube. Family Worship Center is located at 250 County Road 378 in Athens, Tennessee. Send all correspondence to Family Worship Center, P.O. Box 118, Athens, Tennessee 37303. For more information, you can call the church at 423 744 0774